This particular night was a very cold and dreary night. It was rainy on and off. Of course, it was dead, just pitch black dark outside in the middle of the night. It was like 40 degrees, very, very dreary, dreary, something like out of a movie. And so some classmates of mine stepped into the back of this old ancient church while everybody else was being ushered out to go home for the night. And then the door slammed. There was this giant padlock that locked the door from the outside and the inside. And then we were stuck in the church until daybreak. And that was that. See, back in January of 2020, I had the unique privilege of being able to travel to the Holy Land with some of my classmates before we were ordained priests. And by an act of God alone, we were offered the opportunity to spend the night in this particular church, which is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. This is the giant basilica built over Mount Calvary where you can go and touch the actual place in the rock where Jesus' cross stood, where his blood ran down. It's a place where you can go down the hill and touch the place where they anointed his body for burial. You can visit the site where Mary stood and watched her son be butchered on the cross. But most importantly, you can go to the Edicule, or this tiny church within this big church, which houses the actual tomb of Jesus. And now most of the time, if you're lucky visiting this church, you might get 15 seconds to go and crawl into the tomb and pray for a little bit before one of the Orthodox priests comes and slaps the wall, claps his hands, okay, time to come out, time for the next group of pilgrims to go in. But this particular time, since we spent the night in the church, I had three or four hours where I just got to sit and stare at this place where Jesus' body once was. And it was such an incredible experience, and it was so moving, and it was so profound, and it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I couldn't help the whole time but to think, wow, Lord, this is so terribly depressing. Because in the darkness, there's nothing going on. There's no air condition. We're just kind of shivering. There's no light, but the oil lamp's burning above head. I could hear my own heartbeat. And I just spent a while staring at this marble slab that covers the place where Jesus once was. And I had to imagine him laying there gray and cold and lifeless. The corpse of our Lord. Because of my sins, because of what I have done, what I continue to choose to do, that's what put him in that tomb. And it was so depressing because I kept trying and trying and trying to imagine him there and imagine him there and picture him there more and more. And I kept failing. And then, like clockwork, the Holy Spirit came and slapped me upside the head and said, Listen, fool, there is a reason that you have to imagine Jesus laying here. There is a reason that you can't see him. There's a reason that this is such a profound place. It's because he's not here anymore. I realized in that moment that in that moment I became just like Mary Magdalene, just like Peter and John, just like all of the disciples, I became a herald of the resurrection. Seeing for myself that that place is empty still to this day, 2,000 years later, it's still open, it's still empty, and it's still cold and lifeless in there. And thanks be to God for that. Because what, what that means for us is that we have a God who is not dead. We do not serve a corpse. We do not love someone who is insignificant. If Jesus is who he said he was, and I believe that he is, being God himself, being the Messiah, then he lives. And that's the end of the story. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He lives. He is alive. And he walked out of the tomb. 
And we know that, yes, Jesus is risen. We can finally say the A word. We haven't said all Lent, hallelujah. You're going to hear it hundreds of times during this, this Mass probably. But we come to celebrate that, and then we're going to leave and go home, celebrate with the family, and then reality sets back in tomorrow. And then what happens? The world tells us, go back into your tomb, Christian. Go back in and seal yourself up. You did your Christian thing. You did your Catholic thing. You smelled the incense. You heard the bells. You sang the songs. You did all the stuff. Now go back in your tomb and leave the world alone. That is not who we are called to be. That is not what a disciple does. It is okay for us to have doubts. It is okay for us to be unsure of what to do next with the resurrection. Look at poor Mary Magdalene. She goes to tend to our Lord. She finds a stone rolled back, and she's terrified. She runs. Peter, I don't know where they took him, but he's not there. I don't know where they brought him. She didn't even believe that he was alive. She didn't acknowledge the resurrection at first. See, Peter and John, and I love the way John writes this whole story, saying, Peter and the other disciple, I'm not going to name him, but y'all, it's me. I outran him. He was too slow because he's old. I got to the tomb first, but I didn't go in out of respect for him. He's the Pope. We get there, they see everything, and then they don't know what is going on, so they went home. They go back home, and it wasn't until later that we hear right after this passage that Jesus comes to Mary Magdalene, not to Peter, the one that he appointed as head of the church, not to John, the apostle that he loved, but to Mary Magdalene. Mary, why are you afraid? Why are you weeping? I don't know where they took him. If you brought him somewhere, tell me and I'll go grab him myself. Mary, listen to me. The world is going to tell us to go back into our tomb and to just tremble in fear, to be afraid. Live your Christian life, but do it in secret because nobody else wants to hear that. I don't care. Our Lord died on the cross for us and he is alive today, 2,000 years later. And we celebrate this Mass because we truly do believe that mystically, by the power of God himself, we're not just commemorating Jesus' resurrection, but we get to live it in a new way. Right after the homily, you're going to be sprinkled with holy water. I do not apologize for that, by the way. As a reminder of your new life that you receive in holy baptism. We are not a stoic bunch of people who just sit in a dark church. We stand in the light of this Paschal candle that was blessed and consecrated last night at the Easter Vigil to walk into a dark church with no light whatsoever, to pierce the darkness because our Lord is alive. And by him walking out of the tomb, he calls us out of our own tombs. We look back in our lives and there will be things that are going to be imperfect. Last year, Easter Sunday, I baptized a baby at the parish that I was at. And the last pour, I baptized you in the Holy Spirit. The water went all over her face and I about waterboarded her. It's going to be imperfect. Last night, I'm sprinkling with everybody and I knocked the server in the head with the sprinkler. It's going to be imperfect. I guarantee you that even when we come to the church for the liturgy, when it's heaven meeting earth, it's going to be imperfect because we are humans. And yet we can aspire to something better, something more, something more fulfilling. Look back in your lives and I don't care, find the worst thing that you've ever done. And the Lord still took it to the cross. He still walked out of the tomb for it. 
Because what happened 2,000 years ago is Jesus hung upon the cross. He looked out into all of eternity, all of eternity, and he saw this moment where you're sitting in Christ the King Church on the campus of LSU, listening to me preach, and he saw, where is your heart right now? Where's your mind? What's in your mind? What's in your heart? What's going on? What's doubting? What are, what are you doubting? Where's your sorrow? Where's your challenge? Where's your joy? What makes you happy? What's fulfilling right now? What brings you peace? Bring it all to the Lord because he saw this moment from the cross and he chose to die for it because you are worth it. He walked out of the tomb and appeared to the apostles because you are worth it. And he continues to appear to us today. Just a few moments before your very eyes, the host will be lifted. It's not just a cookie. It is the living body of Jesus Christ. A dead God could not transform bread and wine into his body and blood. It's proof to us of, yes, his love, yes, his power and his authority, even over sin, even over death, but it is proof that he desires, he so desperately wants to dwell with us still. Life is going to be imperfect, but the resurrection promises hope for us. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Maybe you think back that Lent wasn't as spectacular as I wanted it to be. I didn't keep to my fast. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. God is not bound by a timeline. He still desires you just as much now as he did Ash Wednesday. Begin your life anew today. By the waters of baptism, you are claimed by him and you receive the same eternal life that Jesus received, that he gives to us. Jump into that. Realize who he is. Realize who you are. Realize that there is no such thing as our God who is dead or who is insignificant or who is sealed up in a tomb. It's open and he's gone. He is alive and he's among us. If we just open our eyes and have those eyes of faith, Lord, I'm going to make one little act of faith that's a little different today, something extra. Maybe I'll close my eyes and listen to the words of the Eucharistic prayer. Maybe I'll bring my family, my friends, my loved ones, whatever my intentions are, and imagine myself laying them at the altar so that they can be transformed and brought to newness of life like the resurrection. Maybe I'll spend time with family today and actually believe that Jesus is alive. Maybe I'm going to change the way that I speak about Jesus. Jesus did that, or Jesus said that. No, Jesus does this thing. Jesus still says those words. Even in talking about the Blessed Sacrament, when the Blessed Sacrament is brought out and it is exposed, or we pray before it, no, it's He. This is our God because He's alive. Even the way we speak about our Lord changes our hearts drastically. So begin that today. He's alive, He's among us, and He desires to bestow this same newness and beauty of life to you because you're worth it, because you're desired, and because you are called here. The past two years of priesthood, every Easter Sunday, I would teach our congregation, and this would go through the whole 50-day celebration of Easter, but I'd bring back this tradition that Bishop Duca mentioned a couple of years ago, and I said, that's pretty cool. I'm going to do that too. See, for thousands of years in the church, until recently, 
Christians would greet one another not with Happy Easter or Happy Sunday. They would look at each other and they would say, Christ is risen. And there was a response that they would say to the other one is not, I know, or yeah, and. Christ is risen, the response is, indeed he is risen, because this is who we are. I believe this, and this is what I'm going to proclaim. Even by greeting someone with that, Christ is risen, indeed he is risen, you establish that newness of life again. So don't be afraid, don't be surprised if I throw that into the Mass a couple times. And if I say Christ is risen, people, I expect a response. Christ is risen. We're going to get better, don't worry. Good people, our Lord is alive. The tomb is empty. The tabernacle is again full, and our Lord is among us. He loves you. He desires you. He calls you here. So be proud that he has called you here and that you have responded. My dear brothers and sisters, Christ is risen. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.